Welcome to Sustainable Sessions, hosted by yours truly, Lucas and Lauren. Episode 11, featuring Pick Waste. Hey everyone, my name is Dylan Mendes. I am a 20-year-old TEDx and Canadian news speaker. I'm the co-founder of a social enterprise called Pick Waste. Essentially, we clean up different communities across Canada. We're currently located in three cities, and we also just launched our global sustainability blog where we try to educate people on how to live a more sustainable lifestyle. On top of that, I'm a student studying at the University of Waterloo, and I'm heading into my fourth year. And I'm super excited to be here with you all on this podcast. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, great introduction. Uh, yeah, we're super excited to have you as well, too. Like, you're our first TEDx speaker that we're happening to, so hopefully we can even talk, talk on that a little bit, too. Um, yeah, we can just kind of get right into it. So what do you, like, of all the niches in sustainability and climate change, you know, stuff from composting to fighting plastic waste and stuff like that, what kind of got you into pick waste and what can you give us a bit of that origin story yeah for sure so it's a very very candid unique story um especially one day i was driving home in my mom's soccer soccer mom minivan grade 12 this is very popular um and i saw my one friend walking home picking up litter and it's very uncommon to see in 2017 and even in 2020 someone to do that and i'm curious so i asked them i'm like hey man like what the hell are you doing like why are you picking up <laughs> and he explained to me that his teacher taught him a theory that day in class that if you commit to something small over an extended period of time, it can lead to something a lot bigger if you just stayed consistent with it. And he applied that theory to picking up litter. And me being the obnoxious 17 year old I was, my initial reaction, I wasn't Mother Teresa. My initial reaction was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like your, your idea of giving back to your community is picking up trash. Like good for you. Like hope one day it works out. <laughs> and I drove home, just wanted to focus on myself, on school and whatnot. But I couldn't get this sort of idea or this theory out of my head. See, for the majority of my life, as young people always do, we always model or copy the behaviors of other people. So when we see someone doing something different, our initial reaction is to judge them. Or just say, like, what are you doing? It's, it's so a little un uncomfortable, right? But then I realized, you know, maybe this is time for me to give back to my community before I graduate. So I said to him, like, hey, man, like, this is a cool idea. If you do this by yourself, you're not going to get much done. But what if, it's a crazy idea, but what if we partner together and host weekly cleanups for one hour once a week? And he agreed. So we went to the beach with two of our buddies, and we had no plan or vision in mind. To prove to you that we had no plan or vision in mind, we called ourselves the Wastemans. Like that, that, <laughs> that was our name. That was the, the OG. It's called the OG Wasteman. That was like the original name. Um, and yeah, we just tried to pick it up trash, and then... I went to speak at like a local church and that's when I knew I, we needed to change the name. I didn't want to say the name Wastepants when I went to go speak at this church and then changed the name to Pick Waste, a little bit more professional. It started in the city of Pickering, where we're both from, so it's like a dual meaning. And then from there, it just started to grow and scale. And week after week, we stay consistent with it just as a summer project, but more and more volunteers started to come out. And by the end of summer in 2017, we had about 15 to 20 volunteers coming out consistently so we thought to ourselves, like, why stop? Why don't we just keep this going? So as long as there was no snow on the ground, we went out picking up trash and we filled over 1,700 bags of litter to date. We're now located in Montreal and in Bonn as well as Pickering. And we're just trying to keep it going. Um, the initiative has been featured on Canadian News and that helped us a lot just to grow the initiative across Canada and helped us to speak at more events to sort of get volunteers and just educate people on sustainability. So that is the SparkNote Spark founding story. Wow, that, yeah. that's super awesome and super inspirational too. 
Yeah, I definitely did not know you guys called yourself the Wasteman <laughs> before, but I oh, know definitely a cool little. Uh... Definitely the branding change up. <laughs> we love it. Pick Waste is also super cool. I feel like that's like super easy for people to remember. So even when you're like in the news and stuff, you're like, oh, I just saw Pick Waste. Like it's very, it resonates really well with people. I just kind of have a question in terms of like getting volunteers. How does that process kind of work? And where did you initially find like your first few volunteers that came, I guess that first 15 to 20 people that were part of your journey? Yeah, that's a great question. So first, it was my buddy Sam, the the guy I saw walking, and myself, and our mom sharing a sign with cookies and milk. At a, I'm kidding, but um, <laughs> it was just like close close family and friends. And what I realized is that when you start a movement or you start an organization, your family and friends are sort of meant to be there to help you out right at the beginning. They'll support you and whatnot, but as you gradually move along, you need to find people who are actually passionate about it because family and friends will fade off, and it's natural. So what we did is we started speaking for like five ten minutes at the end of an assembly at a school, at a couple of churches, whatnot. And we thought to ourselves, if we can get like 5% or 10% of the people to come out, that's like 10, 15, 20, 25 volunteers. And that's literally what we did. That's how we started. And we created our own social media. A lot of, a lot of people discount the power social media actually has. And you guys, you guys kill it on social media. You already know this, but like just a simple post or a video here and there can go a long way. So I would say one is speaking and then two is social media. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, obviously, since you started that journey back in grade 12, and then even to where you are now, like, and you're uh, approaching the end of university now, um, has there been anything like unique that you learned along the way? And for like, people that want to learn more about this topic, whether it's just kind of like, trash uh, around your community, or just like kind of some of the topics you find interesting, like, what do you use as like tools to learn more about it? And where would you kind of direct people that want to learn more about this, uh, too? Yeah, so I'd say like, to answer more to your first question and sort of tie them together, like the, the main aspect we focus on, like environmental, is either pollution combined with awareness. And that's like our, our, our main thing. It's like pollution as in, you know, like plastic pollution and whatnot, and then awareness tying in our, our blog as well. When you pick up trash, our, our goal or our motto is that, you know, when we every, every time we go out, there's like either people honking at us and like, you know, giving us praise or we post on social media and then people see it. And that's at the end of the day what people need. Right? They need to see community. They need to see other people doing an action. And they might assume that that's the correct action. Not necessarily to pick up trash, but maybe just to live in a more environmentally conscious mindset. I would say that's sort of like the, the main message to help understand more about circularity, circular economy, or just awareness about plastic issues. I would say some resources. One, our website um, with our environmental blog, Shameless Plug. Uh, yeah. Two, a little bit more official and, and maybe more in-depth is the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Not sure if you're familiar with it, but they post some great content on circular economy. I don't know if they like coined that term, but they are one of like the, the founding organizations that are really driving that home. Um, I would say those, those are the main two, as well as like looking at it from more of like a corporate point of view, looking at what other sort of, you know, like this corporations are doing, SBTI, so Science-Based Target Initiative. That's a really cool organization that keeps track and helps other companies like multinational corporations helps them make sure their targets are actually aligned with the UN's targets to, you know, reduce global warming and help make sure that those targets are actually achievable, not just fluff. So those two or three organizations, probably the, the most useful in my opinion. 
Awesome. Yeah. No. That's awesome. Great resources too. Cause I feel like a lot of people when they're first learning about certain topics, it's kind of like an overwhelming thing and you don't necessarily know where to start, but I think going to different people's websites, websites, especially yours, um, it'll be super easy for them to, to yeah. learn. And even just following your social media, like you said, I think that's such a simple way to break it down. Like you see action and you feel inspired to do action. And I think it is really as simple as that sometimes, whether it's, you know, through the praise or, you know, through likes or comments, whatever, but just visually seeing it and being inspired by that to go and do something or get involved on, I think that's a great way just to really simple, simplify it and, and make it clear for the audience. Um, when you're talking about like, I guess, how you guys have expanded, now you're in multiple cities, um, like what's kind of, I guess, your long-term plan? Like you hope to get this potentially like in multiple countries or more across Canada and like how, what was like, how did you guys develop traction to get into new uh, parts beyond uh, where you guys just started off? Great question. So firstly, long-term goal, uh, again, two sort of two prong approach. So one, expand the initiative into multiple cities across Canada. Firstly, that's sort of like our, our, our big goal. When you think about Canada, people think, oh, it's a clean country. Like when Americans talk about Canada, it's like, yeah, Canada's great, no trash. And then when I speak in the States, they're like, who's throwing trash around the six? Like what? Like there's actually garbage in Toronto. Um, and, and there is. So I think like the, the main goal is to really focus on youth and encourage youth to start their own chapter wherever they are across Canada, as well as really grow the sustainability blog. So we've had the privilege of getting writers from like really, really unique countries and even just visitors from like all, all across the world. And we think just like me personally being in school, working for other companies for co-op, like the best way to magnify the impact globally is through online. That's sort of like where, where, where we stand. It's like, you can easily create a blog post and someone in India or Australia or Japan can just read it. It's like, that is crazy. That blows my mind. It's like, what? That, that would have never happened for free. It's literally for free. You don't have to mail anything. Um, so yeah, that's, that's crazy in my mind. But in terms of the process for actually growing and scaling, I would say like one is just finding like-minded individuals who buy into your authenticity. Like that, that's just it. You know, like in 2020 people need real, like people need authenticity and, and it sells more than ever because it's becoming, you know, more scarce. And I think, you know, our story is very authentic. It's very natural in the initiative that we're trying to build similar to your organization. It's, it's, it grew organically. Um, so I'd say finding passionate leaders who want to start their own chapters in different cities is, is one thing. And then, too like it's never it's never been easier to grow an organization in, in my mind just with social media just with like the resources that that we have like you can literally send a message to anyone you can send a message to cristiano ronaldo you know it's not like he's going to receive it on instagram not, not like he's going to read it but there's a probability that he does read it now more than ever so i think using the internet using social media is super helpful when when scaling and that's sort of what we've leveraged a lot Awesome. Totally. Yeah. Um, I also kind of want to like go back to where you've been talking about being a leader and kind of inspiring people. And I feel like you do, do that a lot with your talk. So maybe, I don't know if you want to share kind of like some overall messages that you like to share when you like leave um, your audience members and stuff, like kind of how that entire experience works for you. Yeah, for sure. So we originally started speaking to get volunteers and then it transitioned into having, realized there was more of a message, a bigger message that was at play. And my message that I share a lot is surrounded by community impact. So I talk about three main important factors. I talk about one, the importance of just being yourself, just being your true authentic self. And I, I talk about the different stages that we that exist in life that philosophers such as Eric Erickson and Rene Girard have actually molded and, and formed based off of interviewing so many different people. Um, and one stage in particular is the stage of mimicry. And we always copy what other people do. Like if, think about how you guys learned to dress so well when you were younger, right? It's like, you copied how other people dressed or like, say, think about how you're understanding the words I'm saying in this podcast. 
you copy how people spoke English. So one thing I talk about is we were meant to copy to learn, but so often we get stuck in that stage and never move into the stage of exploring, of strategizing, of becoming your, and expressing your own individuality. I talk about the importance of authenticity, talk about the importance of community. And that's where I bring in Pickways as an example. It's like, yeah, one person may not seem like they can do a lot in their community, but when a community comes together, they can do a, make a huge impact in, in their world. And I talk about the importance of just getting uncomfortable. And, and you both know this, when you're either making TikToks or you're trying to sell your brand or you're, you're at, you know, Wilfrid Laurier business school, like with a booth and no one else is there. And you feel like you're, you're just standing there and like, like there's, there's no one else to support you. And it's like a lot of times it's going to feel uncomfortable and that's okay. And the more uncomfort you get, the more uncomfort you feel, the, the more you're going to grow as an individual. So talk about those main three things. And I would say one piece that I could say now that could be very relatable to any young person that is watching this is you can either use your age as a limitation or use it as an advantage. And I have a few stories to sort of um, depict that in a way, but that's sort of um, my, my two cents on what I share uh, when I speak at schools. Awesome. Yeah, no, we love to hear those stories, but just to jump in on that too, just I'd love to comment. Like, I think those are really strong values that you definitely bring out to your audience. And, and we try to share that as well too. Like there's been so many times we've had younger entrepreneurs on the podcast, even some older ones too. And that's, it's a very common theme is to get uncomfortable, sorry, get comfortable with being com uncomfortable. Um, and just whether you're an entrepreneur, or just someone that's getting out of their comfort zone and trying something new for the first time, like you have to just get used to that feeling like routine and stability are obviously very good pillars in your life, but you're never going to grow and become something or, or try something new if you're, if you don't get used to that. So um, that's really great. And, and I think those things will come in moderation too. Like you'll start to figure out formulas that either work for your business or like, like for your talks, like you'll find stuff that really sticks with people. And I think that's the biggest thing to help grow your brand as well. But yeah, and then just to go back. Yeah, if you could share those stories, stories. too, we'd love to hear those for like the younger audience. That yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there's a couple of them. So one, one we were at a pitch. So we, we had uh, this pitch in Pickering, and it was like for ten thousand dollars, and we were the underdogs. Everyone was wearing suits. They're all older people. <laughs> we came in jeans and our Pickways T-shirt. Like, we had no clue what the heck we were doing. Um, <laughs> but but one thing that we developed was our speaking ability, and and that's what we knew the best. And every other group had like these big financial models and these big plans and these big suits and like this, these teams of like 20 people. And we were two teenagers in jeans and a t-shirt with no power, <laughs> nothing. And, you know, we said to ourselves, we can either take this as an L and like already just like, you know, give into it or we can just do what we do best and like speak with passion. And that, that quick decision before we went up was like, look, where we just said it how it was. So we went up there and we said, look, we don't usually speak at city hall that's why we're not dressed in suits we're just two two kids with this idea with this plan and we spoke straight from the heart and out of all the teams we actually ended up winning the the award like the the grant which is so funny um and everyone else like and like other groups had to vote for for the winners and 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 they voted for us and we're just like like wow like i would say we could have gone in that stage like oh like these are two two kids like whatever you know you're definitely not going to win or use it to your advantage saying like you're you're a lot younger you have a lot more potential to, to get what you want to do what you want to do um so that's that's one one quick story on how you can use your age to your advantage awesome yeah and i think like we've done our fair share of pitch competitions and applied for grants and done things like that too and i think like exactly what you said so much of it comes down to the authenticity of the story and you shouldn't feel intimidated if you know we did a recent one um, with the city of Vaughn. I actually remember like two of the, like there's five winners at the end of the day, but 
two of the winners have like full on PhDs and like it, it definitely, you know, if you're a young kid, whether you're in high school or your first year, it's kind of like, you know, what am I getting myself into? And like you said, they have these incredible models and so well detailed, but if you can really cut through that and give a very authentic story that just resonates so well with people and they truly get it, you don't need a lot of that. And it's there if people ask questions and you want to call on it, but that shouldn't be kind of like the foundation for your story. The story itself should be what drives it home. So that's yeah, great to hear. For sure. And like, even another example, more, more general, like say if, if at the time we were 17, if you're 17 trying to speak to a high school, it's like, you just graduated. Like what, like what more, what value can you provide? But even like as a 20 year old, a lot of the times you get this, you get this vibe from teachers and faculty, or even when you speak at organizations and it's just like, you're only, you're only 19. And, and like you, you, you get that, but what you can do is use that as like energy as fuel. Then you go and you kill the speech. Like you professionally show up on time and you kill it. And then their tone changes. It goes from, Oh, you're only 19 to wow. You're only 19. And you did that. And just like using that as fuels motivation. It's like, yeah, like that's how you can use your age as an advantage versus a disadvantage. I think another big thing too, is people trust you in a way when you're younger. Like I find younger people trust younger people. And we've been even seeing that like on our social media platforms, people are more likely to watch our content or follow us and see kind of all the things that we're posting just because they relate to us on a, a more a better scale versus like an older person with like a PhD that's coming at you with all this like te technological stuff, which is super cool. And you want to learn those things. And I think people like that can be mentors, but yeah, it's like finding like finding people that you can work with to kind of go through things. Yeah. And I think to kind of build on that too, like I'm sure since you guys have been doing this for so long, um, have you had any stories where you've had, I guess maybe whether they're in high school or maybe even younger than that in elementary school, have you had any young people that have come up to you been inspired by your story that you've kind of maybe not like been a continuous mentor, but you had those moments where you've had someone young come through and like, what was that like for you? Yeah. It, uh, it like a after you speak, right. So when you, I was speaking for a couple of years and, and when you speak, like you craft the message in, and I, like Lawrence said, when you're younger, you can relate to a lot of them. And I feel like, my message and my co-founder's message, which are a little bit separate, but have a very similar um, like tie into it with pick waste. When you hear someone who's very, you know, who's around your age and you, you, you say to yourself, uh, they did that when, and they were my age. You know what I mean? And it's not like we didn't like freaking cure something. It's just like we <laughs> an initiative. and it, it's very simple to model and it, it seems very realistic for them to do so. And usually when we speak, we'll get maybe like, you may speak to a crowd of like a hundred people will get me like five to 10 messages after from people who say like, wow, like that actually really inspired me. And I think like the, the biggest thing of why people would say that type of message is when you become vulnerable. And that's something that we really, really try to try to do is like, don't sugarcoat anything. So these, this is like our story. This is what happened. And I'm a big believer in, you know, facts tell, but stories sell. And if you can like articulate your story in a way that vibes and relates to people who are younger, they're immediately going to try to try to like, relate your experience to their experience. And then it's gonna trigger some emotion. And usually that emotion leads to them messaging um, and whatever shape that, that means. So yeah, I can definitely say that. Even if it's not environmental related, it can be like, wow, I was really struggling with this, uh, like family-wise, or I really wanna start this community initiative or this, this, this. So it definitely varies um, depending on the student, depending on who I'm speaking to, but yeah. 
Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Um, I kind of just have a question because obviously you're a TEDx speaker. So I think it would be really cool to maybe share your experience um, doing that because I feel like not that many 19 <laughs> year olds or 20 year olds are doing that. So maybe. Yeah. What sure. was the application, like the process for like you to get selected to do that? And like, even just like showing up, like what was going through your head and like even post, like just talk all about it. The debrief. <laughs> yeah. It was a while ago. Like it's, uh, it's funny. So I applied on the last day. So my, my buddy's like, yo, why don't you apply to speak at TEDxUW? And I was like, uh, okay, whatever. So I go to TEDxUW, Google it. It's like applications end today. And I'm just like, should I do this? Yeah, why not? So I just go in and, and I apply and then end up the interview and I share my story. And then again, authenticity sells. Nothing special about what we did. It's just, you know, we found an issue and we just decided to try to figure it out or solve it or whatnot. Um, and yeah, went to the event. And it was a really, really cool event. There's like 10, 10 speakers there. I was somewhere in the middle because I'm young and they wouldn't trust me to speak at the end. So they put me in the middle. And <laughs> I, I thought it went really well. I got, I got a really good response from that. And after a lot of opportunities came to speak to inspire more students. And yeah, it was definitely a, a cool opportunity. And I, I encourage any, any young person who has an idea that they want to share to really, really test out the, the TEDx stage. Because it's, it's a stage that your voice can really be amplified by, in, in my opinion. Awesome. Yeah. And I think just to even go back to what you were just talking about, like, I know we've talked already a lot on the theme of authenticity, but I think one thing that you just mentioned about like not sugarcoating your story and like just telling it as it is, I think is such a, a true message as well too. Like, I mean, it wasn't easy when you started out as it wasn't easy for us. And like, it's, we're still continuing to face new challenges and, and obstacles as we kind of tell our story, but we don't want to like glam it up and make it seem like it's been this perfect, you know, storybook story of like how, we started this company and got to where we are now. Like there's been a bunch of like bumps and bruises and stuff along the way. And I think that's like, like when you talk about vulnerability, like telling that true story to people mm -hmm. makes them relate to it a lot more. And they don't, they realize, okay, it's, it's okay if I mess up and things don't go as planned. Like that's actually necessary to get to where you're at. Um, so I think that's like something we've learned, but like, even when you're trying to message that to younger people, like they need to be aware that there's going to be a lot of hurdles that you're going to go through, but that's normal. Like don't feel bad about that. It's part of it. For sure. And kind of just like almost to pivot the conversation a little bit in terms of like when you first started pick waste, how do you think that's kind of been incorporated into your own lifestyle and how do you think you've become a more sustainable person? And has that also been kind of translated to your friends and family? Like how, how do they react around how your habits have changed potentially? Yeah, to be honest, like when we started pick waste, there's none, nothing really to do about like the environment in a way. It was just like more for the community. But then when you get involved with something like that, if you started or you volunteer, you just naturally have an inclination to learn more. It's like, okay, picking up trash, you realize is not the problem. Like, sorry, it's, it's, it's not the solution. Right? It's, not the, it's, not the root, it's not the root of the issue. The root of the issue is rather, one could argue it's, it's people using the products in general. It's like, okay, if you just stop using single plastics, we won't have to pick it up. It's like, okay. Or it's like, what, what could we do as young people to inform people? And maybe that's just it. Maybe just educate people because people don't know like that, 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 that's a big thing. So I would say in me, I got really intrigued with sustainability and like my own lifestyle a few months into it. And I started doing like simple, very simple, generic things. I started like not using plastic bags, not using plastic straws, plastic water bottles, like the basic ones that are so easy to do, but people so often don't do them because they're just lazy. Um, I don't want to call anybody out, but that's just the reality of it. And, and it's not saying that like I'm perfect with all those things or, or whatnot, but you know, at least trying being 1% better than you were yesterday is, is an effort and it's there. And that's literally all what people need to do. You just put in the effort. Um, something that I recently did was I partnered with 
this company called One Tree Planted uh, to offset my emissions for when I speak. So if I, sp if I speak across Canada and I'm flying, um, I'm like, wow, that doesn't make a lot of sense because it's like releasing more emissions. So what, what we do is we uh, net my emissions down to zero. So I'll, I'll pay them to plant trees and then they'll plant those trees to offset the emissions. So that's something that um, I started doing as well. And I think it has had an effect on my family specifically. It could be as simple as like not using plastic bags for groceries. It's okay, buy a usable bag, swap it in, swap it out. And it definitely has an effect on, on my friends as well. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Honestly, I never, I mean, I mean, I'm sure that's a pretty common thing for people who are traveling a lot, but like, that's really cool. And I, you were kind of mentioning about like your family and friends and your like relationship with them and how, I mean, it, it, you can't like walk away from pickways at this point. It's become so much of like who you are, like sustainability has become more of your life. And um, I, I think, yeah, it, it, it is a little bit of awareness. It's a little bit of laziness for sure. And it just kind of starting the movement and getting it going. Like you definitely know that you've inspired so many people to start making these changes. And now with your blog and your social media content, you're definitely going to see more changes for people that follow it. And I think even with us, like when we see on TikTok, we get comments all the time about like, you know, here's a quick swap. And like, it, it's so obvious to some extent, but it's also like, it's brand new for some people that are just coming into it. Like you don't learn it at school or in the, you know, when you're in elementary school. So inspiring young people at an early age to make these habitual changes will lead to like a lifetime of greater impact than if they learn it when they're 30 or something like that. So that's really awesome. Um, I guess now kind of because you're going to be, graduating like where do you see yourself kind of going once you're graduated and what do you kind of want to get into like you only want to continue doing you know these talks and stuff or how do you want to like incorporate all of what you're doing right now into your future yeah I don't know <laughs> I, I, I don't know like there's uh I was, I was talking to my co-founder like literally like an hour ago about this um and yeah like our, our focus is definitely to try to grow and scale the initiative and then speak on the side where where, where I can I'm gonna so definitely focus on speaking, but definitely put more effort into growing the initiative. And then, yeah, like I'm, I'm in a co-op program. So I think my mindset, like looking at it from a logical point of view, is to potentially work at a company, either whether I worked at Deloitte for a couple of terms, um, a company either focused on technology or environmental work or consulting. And then when I can sustain myself, then sort of segue into like really scaling the initiative full time. That's sort of where I, where I see it. But Honestly, like if I was, when I was 17 and you told me I would be speaking in different places across Canada, I'd tell you you're pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> but plans change in a couple of years. So I'm, I'm not really concerned or not set in stone with, with what I just said. So I'm, I'm in for the ride. Living in the present. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I totally feel that too. Cause even for me, I'm also going into my fourth year. I'm like, part of me wants to work in an industry where I can learn more about this stuff. So whether it is like learning about utilities and how it affects the environment, I think it's cool to pick jobs like that. So then you can get either contacts or learn more about it and then kind of go from there if you want to like grow your own business and, and do whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think one, one question I have even too is like, I mean, we, go, we went to Laurier, so obviously UW's very, very close by. What have you found in terms of like the culture from let's say year one to year now? Like, have you noticed a cultural shift around environment um, or just living more sustainability? Maybe like the niches or pockets of it, but like what's your experience been at UW? I mean, like we can talk about Laurier for sure. There's, there's definitely been a shift, but um, it's just interesting to kind of hear stories of how universities develop and over time uh, started adopting more of these, uh, these principles. Yeah, I definitely think there's been an overall shift culturally. I think culturally there's been a huge shift in Ontario and me, like even in the greater world on social media and whatnot about environmental issues. I think that shift is driven a lot by corporations and a lot by government organizations. And I think that has a huge ripple effect on the University of Waterloo in particular, just because the, the university is very driven by technology. 
And like people understand now, like, yeah, like doing these incremental changes helps a lot, but what really is going to drive it is technology. And uh, Bill Gates, he wrote an, an article, I think two weeks ago. So Bill Gates predicted there's going to be a global health pandemic in 2015. No one really listened. Now he's predicting that climate change is going to be worse than this global health pandemic that we're currently experiencing. Let's see if anyone listens. And what he spoke about is that technology is going to drive it. And I think at Waterloo specifically, it's a very tech focused school. And I think that really is resembled by a lot of students. It's like students are really, really curious to understand what they can do with their own mindset, whether they're in CS or business or Eng, and try to sort of contribute to try to find a solution to different problems. And it's not, as, as you know, it's not one solution fits all. It's a wide array of problems that, that exist. But I think a lot of people who have that tech mindset, their focus is trying to develop some sort of strategy or just try to get back on their own personal life to try to try to mitigate, mitigate this issue. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what um, Bill Gates, I think he did a TED talk like a few years ago. It's called like net zero or something. And he's like, we literally need energy miracles in order to survive. And it's really cool now to see how like there's so many companies emerging, just trying to solve these issues. But then we're also still so reliant on natural resources. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to unfold within the next like five to 10 years when we really need stuff to kind of get yeah. figured out. Yeah, exactly what you said too. You talked about the pandemic, like it it's the irony of it is that like, it's not pressing until it is pressing. And we know that we can start preparing and taking these incremental changes now, but like, it, it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens in the next couple of decades or 50 years. And like really how much of a crisis this becomes compared like pandemic just caught everyone, you know, completely off foot and it threw us all for a limb. And so it'll be very, I mean, it's kind of a little scary to think about, but um, interesting to see. People yeah. need to talk about it. I think that's the biggest thing. So I mean, that's what we're trying to do with the podcast and definitely having leaders like yourself kind of out there sharing these messages and inspiring people. I think that's the biggest thing that we can do um, from an individual scale. For sure. Yeah. And I think like change is, is happening and, and it will definitely start to pick up because if you look at like, it, if you look at it from a behavioral point of view, like even individuals, like most people in university, when do they start studying for a test? It's like day before, or a couple of days before. The reality is like individuals need pressure to change. Like that, that, that's it. And I think the pressure is coming on and I think change is going to follow. So I'm optimistic, um, but we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> awesome. Also, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, <laughs> Sorry. No, I guess kind of to just like wrap up um, the podcast, if there's any kind of like one last message you want to share with our listeners, or if there's like a story that you want to share about either your business or kind of um, yourself, like the floor is yours. Yeah. So whatever you comes to mind, like don't overthink it, but just something you want to leave the viewers with. Um, love to hear it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll share a story and that'll like tie into to a message. So we wanted to host this event a year into our, into running pickways called awareness day. The goal was to collect all of the recycling from our cleanups store it in my buddy's backyard with about 150 bags only recycling because of garbage it would just be a mess um and then station it in front of originally city hall as like a big garbage structure just to showcase what we picked up from our, our community and to showcase that change needs to occur and then we ended up relocating to our old high school where, where pickways began for a number of logistical reasons and <laughs> Our goal was to get as many people involved and come out in our community as possible. And two, to get national news to come out. Because in our mind, if people saw it across Canada, you know, more eyeballs, you see it, more change is going to occur. And when we told our friends and family, like our big goal or big idea, getting the news to come out, like they just laughed in our faces. They're like, yo, come <laughs> on. Like, 
like your pick racing's cute and all, but like we're talking about national news. Like they're they're not gonna come for you guys. Like I'm sorry, it's Saturday, it's summer. They got better things to do. <laughs> like like no, like we we actually believe in this, and we emailed and called these uh, these news companies every day for four months, and not one got back to us <laughs> until a few days before our event. And then CBC came and they called us and they interviewed us like the Thursday before our event. And then we used that as leverage to get the other news companies to come out. So then CTV and City News came out and then they, they aired our event and they aired live on, on Canadian news like that evening. And it's just so funny. And I share that story sometimes when I like to run workshops and this shows like what you can actually accomplish. And it's not something that's super grand or super big, but like when you set your mind to something and like, you know, you're pretty determined, you can achieve a lot. Um, despite what people say, despite other people's opinions is you can actually make a change. And like one, as cliche as it sounds, like one person or like a small group of individuals can actually make an impact, can actually make a change. And for those people who tell you that's not true, they're just, don't listen to them. That, again, <laughs> that's just false. And you can realize that's false, not by just pick waste or your organization, but look at every change that's ever happened in our world. And it's started by a group of small individuals. So that is my final message. Wow. Yeah, that was amazing. That, <laughs> I think it was cut it right there. That was really well said. Um, no, yeah, we're gonna like make a snippet of that and like drop it off. Like that was beautiful. Um, so well said. Like I, I honestly think like, even just for us too, like it, you think about everything from like cell phones to computers or any major innovation that's happened in our life. It's exactly that. Like it started off with a small group of people or one individual even um, to really initiate that, and then as over time it snowballs and we see these incredible changes. So. Um, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. so thank you for coming on our podcast we really appreciate it and then all your stories that you shared like super super inspirational and we hope that you keep doing all the hard work that you continue to do thanks for having me you guys are awesome podcast folks you guys did a really good job thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast if you would like to learn more visit us at www.last20.ca until next time stay sustainable <laughs>